0: Welcome back once again to the Counter Vortex with your ranter, Bill Weinberg. Ranting at you in the wee hours of June 1st, 2023. As always, from my apartment on Manhattan's Lower East Side. So, how blatant does it get? A tanky agent carried out false flag vandalism of a synagogue and other Jewish targets in the Detroit area to try to tar Ukrainians and actually confessed to it. Did you catch this? And she is revealed as a writer for Mint Press News, a supporter of the Grey Zone website and a member of the Workers' World Party. Three of the principal exponents of the tanky pseudo-left in the United States. I'll explain the terminology later if you're not familiar with the uh, term tanky. But um, first, check this out in case you missed the story. This was uh, written up by my comrade blogger in the UK, Bob from Broccoli based on accounts in the local press in Royal Oak, Michigan, part of Metropolitan Detroit. From about a month ago, the story broke on May 3rd. A 35-year-old woman, Randy Nord, was arrested in the Detroit area for an attack on a synagogue accused of spray-painting a swastika on the front of the local Woodward Avenue shul. She is charged with, quote, ethnic intimidation and vandalism, Lord Nord told the police that she also painted a swastika on a child's stroller and on a car parked at a local synagogue. So far, as Bob from Broccoli points out, this is the sort of anti-Semitic desecration that occurs across the U.S. any given week but it gets stranger. Along with the swastika spray-painted on the Woodward Avenue shule, she also scrawled the word Azov. Quote, She said she planned to do as many hate crimes as possible and blame them on Azov, said Royal Oak detective Dan Patellier. She told police she wanted to show people Azov is operating in the U.S. and to instill fear of U.S. support for Ukraine. The Azov Battalion, as I'm sure you know, is the Ukrainian National Guard unit that began as an ultra-nationalist militia fighting the Russian-backed separatists in the Donbass region in 2014 and has become the focus of Russian attempts to portray Ukraine as a Nazi state, the phenomenon we have called fascist pseudo-anti-fascism, and an exponent of the big lie technique by which an increasingly Nazi-like state, Russia, accuses the democracy it is attempting to destroy— Ukraine, of being a Nazi state with staggering cynicism. And note what this Randy Nord was attempting to do here, trying to pit the Jews of the Detroit area against the Ukrainians. There are some 50,000 Jews in the Detroit area and some 30,000 Ukrainians, and she was quite consciously and admittedly trying to pit the two communities against each other. I mean, the cynicism of it is just once again staggering. And let me make clear, in case there's any confusion on this point, this is anti-Semitism, despite being a so-called false flag attack. Using anti-Semitism as a political weapon to stigmatize your enemies with it is itself anti Semitism. It is treating Jews as objects and making the world more dangerous for them. Anyone who would engage in a false flag anti Semitic attack is engaging in anti Semitism. This may have been a fake attack, so to speak, in terms of its intended attribution, but it is not fake anti Semitism. The anti Semitism is entirely too real, as well, of course, as the anti-Ukrainianism, so to speak, and we have noted before how contemporary Russian anti-Ukrainian propaganda very closely mirrors Nazi anti-Semitic propaganda, referring to the stigmatized ethnicity as vermin to be exterminated, and so on. And this Randy Nord was so stupidly indiscreet as to blow her cover by bragging about it to the cops, which I think vindicates my remark in our last podcast about the tankies and the false propaganda they spread online of May 19th. I'm convinced that while there may be some useful idiots, so to speak, most of these propaganda partisans know exactly what they are doing. Engaging in these ultra-cynical tactics gives them a hard-left bad boy, or in Randy Nord's case, bad girl, serotonin rush, a marker of their contempt for such bourgeois concepts as respect for the truth. That is the operative psychology for the ones not actually on the Kremlin tit, as some doubtless are. And indeed, Randy Nord may be one of those who actually is on the Kremlin tit to one degree or another. Let's examine. So, who is Randy Nord? Well, Bob from Broccoli Finds, it turns out that she was a minor celebrity in a particular alternative media sphere Nord was a staff writer for Mint Press News, a pro Iranian disinformation outlet based in Minneapolis, of all places. Mint Press is mainly known for making stuff up, <laughs> up from Broccoli Writes. And yeah, I'm going to go into uh, that a little bit here. I first became aware of Mint Press's penchant for fabrication. After the Bashar-Assad regime's Ghouta chemical attack of August 2013, which left hundreds dead, possibly as many as 2,000, and uh, all of the online tanky partisans immediately began promoting the so-called false flag theory, that the Syrian rebels had actually gassed their own stronghold in the Damascus suburb of Gouda as a provocation. And abetting this propaganda was a piece from Mint Press News that was making the Facebook rounds immediately after the attack that interviewed survivors of the attack were blaming the rebels and not Assad. It was entitled, "Exclusive." Syrians in Gouda Say Rebels Behind Chemical Attack by Dale Gavlek and Yaya Ababne, the first of whom was said to have also written for the Associated Press, giving her some credentials as a you know, serious journalist. Although the piece would be shared by legions of internet partisans in defense of the false flag theory, it actually put forth the theory that the rebels got the sarin gas from the sawd and released it inadvertently because they didn't know what they were doing. Uh, at first, nobody seemed to notice how questionably sourced the piece was. Who conducted these interviews? Were the writers actually on the ground in Gouda, which is not indicated in the text? Had anyone ever heard of Mint Press News before? Back then, they were still pretty unknown. And most importantly, how did this square with the numerous interviews with survivors by bona fide groups like Doctors Without Borders and Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International, who clearly blamed Assad? After I, and presumably many others, called out Mint Press News on the fact that the story didn't even say how the reporters got their dubious quotes. They added a clarification, quote-unquote, claiming that one of the two names on the byline, Yaya Ababna, not the one with apparent Associated Press credentials, had in fact been on the ground in Gouda. Later still, they added, quote, some information in this article could not be independently verified, unquote, but I still asked, one, if the report was credible, why did the writers give it to an unknown outlet, as Mint Press then was, rather than to the Associated Press, and two, once again, how did these claims square with the numerous interviews with survivors by bona fide groups who clearly blamed Assad? Then, one of the two supposed co-authors of the piece, Dale Gavlek, the one who actually had Associated Press experience, requested that her byline be removed from the story, stating, quote, I helped him, meaning her co-author, co-writer, Yaya Ababna, write up his story, but he should get all the credit for this, end quote. In another statement, she added, quote, I did not traveled to Syria, have any discussions with Syrian rebels, or do any other reporting on which this article is based. The article is not based on my personal observations and should not be given credence based on my journalistic reputation. End quote. So looking thinner every minute, but were uh, any of the legions of anti-war websites that ran or cited this story, and on the basis of Gavlak's AP background, no less going to revisit their claims? Well, of course, few, if any, did. Then, on September 21st, 2013, the New York Times' The Lead blog wrote up the controversy, noting that a Mint Press editor by the name of Manar Muhawesh told Gavlak, in writing, quote, we will not be removing your name from the byline, as this is an existential issue for Mint Press, and an issue of credibility, as this will appear as though we are lying, End quote. File under utterly pathetic. And I note, having just checked, that indeed Gavlack's name remains on the story on the Mint Press website. So Mint Press openly admitted to Gavlack that they were putting their reputation ahead of journalistic ethics. Again, staggering cynicism. Yet fools on the internet are continuing to spread their filth around. It does not give one a lot of faith in human intelligence. But the story gets even better. Later, in September 2013, a preliminary UN report on the Gouda attack determined where the sarin-filled artillery shells were fired from, an area just north of central Damascus known as Mount Kasyun, which was under tight government control. Not only that, but Human Rights Watch reports that there just happens to be a base of the elite Republican guards there in Mount Kasyun. So, This basically constituted a proverbial smoking gun pointing to the Assad regime as the source of the Gouda attack, while the credibility of the Mint press story was rapidly collapsing. The identity of one of the writers, again the one without AP creds, was examined at the pan-Arab daily Al-Bab, which found that Yahya Ababna, was likely a pseudonym for one Jan Barakat. Now, there's nothing wrong with using a pseudonym, but it appears that Barakat had boasted elsewhere, for instance, in a comment to a piece casting doubt on the Gouda attack claims in um, Britain's right-wing Daily Mail, of getting information that the rebels were behind the attack from Russians in Damascus. We may assume either diplomats, military advisors, or spies. So the mint press theory, which would be touted by Russian officials, may have also originated from Russian officials. I'm reminded of the famous quote from uh, the writer Karl Krause Diplomats lie to journalists and believe those lies when they see them in print. <laughs> Embarrassingly, among those to also tout the theory was Jim Narrakis of the (coughs) progressive Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, FAIR, in a piece entitled, Which Syrian Chemical Attack Account is More Credible? So here is FAIR engaging in exactly what they accuse the dreaded mainstream media of doing engaging in bogus equivalism, as if factual accounts and fictional ones are equally legitimate. He later had to add an update reading, quote, Without Gavlack's byline, and with the allegations of unprofessional behavior on the part of Mint Press, there's little reason to take the Mint Press story seriously. We leave this post up for the historical record, end quote. (laughs) Oops. kind of embarrassing, but they fell for it in the first place. For the record, I only noted that Mint Press story on my blog to cast doubt on it before, you know, the New York Times and others did. Finally, on September 22nd, Mint Press at last released a statement on the controversy, quote, official statement on Dale Gavlek's involvement in Syria exclusive, end quote, Still touting the story as an exclusive and full of cryptic ruminations, such as, quote, Dale is under mounting pressure for writing this article by third parties, end quote. And quote, Yaya has recently notified me that the Saudai Embassy contacted him and threatened to end his career if he did a follow up story, end quote. They state that despite Gavlak's request, they are refusing To remove her name from the byline on the utterly hilarious grounds that, quote, this would violate the ethics of journalism, end quote. After all their corner cutting and backpedaling, Mint Press invokes journalistic ethics to weasel out of admitting that they went with an utterly specious and incorrectly credited story, the mind boggles. Please note Gavlak's initial public statement on the byline controversy, dated September 20th, 2013. Quote, Mint Press News incorrectly used my byline for an article it published on August 29th, 2013, alleging chemical weapons usage by Syrian rebels. Despite my repeated request made directly and through legal counsel, They have not been willing to issue a retraction stating that I was not the author. Yaya Ababna is the sole reporter and author of the Mint Press news piece. To date, Mint Press News has refused to act professionally or honestly in regards to disclosing the actual authorship and sources for this story, end quote. Yes, such sterling commitment to journalistic ethics. Human Rights Watch did addressed the Mint Press theory in its report, without mentioning the source by name, writing, quote, <clears throat> Human Rights Watch has investigated alternative claims that opposition forces themselves were responsible for the August 21st attacks, and has found such claims lacking in credibility and inconsistent with the evidence found at the scene. Claims that the August 21st deaths were caused by an accidental explosion by opposition forces Mishandling chemical weapons in their possession are inconsistent with large numbers of deaths at two locations sixteen kilometers apart, and documentation of rocket attacks on the sites that morning, as evidenced by witness accounts, the damage visible on the rockets themselves and their impact craters. Okay, and uh, Bob from Broccoli did some digging into where Mint Press gets its money from. And it turns out that among its funders is one APAC. <laughs> no, not the famous American Israel Political Action Committee, but the Association for Investment in Popular Action Committees, a, a presumably facetious appropriation of the acronym, via its Serena Shim Award, seemingly named for a reporter for Iran's Press TV. Who was killed while covering Syria? A vehicle for transferring money to pro-Iranian media outlets, which has supported the pro-Assad disinformation outlet Gray Zone and its team members Max Blumenthal and Aaron Mate, and former team member Ben Norton, among others. This APAC also paid Ohio politician Dennis Kucinich. $20,000 to attend a pro-Assad conference in Britain and give a speech there. He later returned the money after heavy criticism. Other Serena Shim Award recipients include Jimmy Dore, the comedian-turned-political commentator, who in 2017 received $2,500 for what um, APAC described as human rights media, unquote. Oh my God. That same year, Dore would argue that the new chemical weapons attack on the opposition-held town of Khan Shikun was likely a false flag. The bodies of dead children having been planted by the rebels. So these guys, Mint Press and Jimmy Dore, are literally funded by the Assad lobby. And these are the first ones to portray the corporate media as compromised. Pathetic. And the next obvious question, which um, I have not researched, and I don't believe that uh, Bob did either, is where does this get its money? Somebody has to take that one on next. What's the original source of um, the money being distributed to these disinformation agents through the Serena Shim Award? All right, getting back to Randy Nord, (coughs) Nord's current Twitter account, only created a year ago, has just two likes. One is for the aptly named Useful Idiots podcast, hosted by Katie Halper, with co-host Matt Taibbi and frequent contributor Aaron Mate, which has also promoted Mint Press in a cozy mutual admiration society as well as Gray Zone's own account. She also followed those of its team members, Max Blumenthal and Rania Kolek. Uh This new account, new uh, Randy Nord Twitter account, is not, or is at least no longer <laughs> followed by many people, but one of the few is the alt-right activist, Keith Preston, who has also promoted her work along with that of Another popular supposed left wing influencer, Danny Haifang, on his own website, Preston's website. And I'll add that the banner of Nord's Twitter page is an image from Soviet era tourism promotion that reads Visit the USSR with the logo of Intourist, the old Soviet tourism bureau. <laughs> And Mint Press has had no comment on their frequent contributor being busted and confessing to anti-Semitic attacks. We're still waiting, Mint Press. Randy Nord was also apparently a member of the Detroit chapter of the Workers' World Party and is promoted as such on the Workers' World website. Workers' World being the chief tanky sectarian faction on the American left, the oldest and the one with the greatest provenance, although there has been, unfortunately, a proliferation of such groups in recent years. Workers' World actually goes back to 1956, founded by elements of the Trotskyist movement, who supported that year's Soviet invasion of Hungary and broke with the Trots to start moving back in a more Stalinist direction, becoming less critical of the USSR. And uh, interestingly, the aforementioned Useful Idiots podcast of Katie Halper was the original source for the accusations in 2020 by former Senate staffer Tara Reid that she had been sexually assaulted by Joe Biden years earlier. Claims which were aggressively promoted by the Russian lubricated online ecosystem, as they call it today that is, Russian state media, and various ostensibly independent satellite outlets like Useful Idiots, which are aggressively promoted by Russian state media. Well, guess what? Citing vague threats against her in the United States, Tara Reid announced on May 30th, this past Tuesday, that she has defected to Russia, quote, unquote, Quote, I'm still in a kind of daze a bit, but I feel very good, Reid told Moscow state propaganda outlet Sputnik, while sitting with Maria Butina, a convicted Russian agent, formerly imprisoned in the U.S., but now a member of parliament in Russia. I feel very surrounded by protection and safety, Reid said. It should be noted that after Russia invaded Ukraine— in February 2022, Reed took to her YouTube channel to promote Russian officials and Moscow state media like RT and Sputnik. And Reed also spoke at the Rage Against the War Machine rally in Washington, D.C. on February 19th of this year. And from the stage, she actually cheered The Russian flags in the audience. I kid you not, it's on YouTube. You can Google it up. And I will also add that photos on social media showed attendees at the Rage Against the War Machine rally wearing the Z symbol, the Russian symbol for its special military operation in Ukraine, and essentially the contemporary equivalent of the swastika. Literally, the same damn people who will hyperventilate about President Zelensky of Ukraine wearing the Ukrainian trident, as if it were some kind of sinister symbol, will themselves don the fascist Z symbol, the explicit symbol of a Russian special military operation, as they call themselves uh, Rage Against the War Machine. They certainly aren't raging against the Russian war machine. They're openly glorifying the Russian war machine. Unbelievable. Now, I want to make clear that I cannot say with certainty that Tara Reed's accusations against Joe Biden are not true. But we certainly can say with certainty that she's a Russian agent. She isn't even trying to hide it at this point. Also, let's keep in mind that she just defected to a country with weaker laws on sexual assault than the United States, much weaker. The Russian parliament in 2017 voted to decriminalize domestic violence, as long as it does not cause, quote, substantial bodily harm, unquote. Yes, really. So, my question about these Russian propaganda assets is, are they embarrassingly naive or staggeringly cynical? In the case of Tara Reid, I'm not sure which, I'm really not. Is she a useful idiot or a so-called gray zone operative? Because the names of these two media outlets, useful idiots and the gray zone, both sneeringly sarcastic, are strategically ambiguous, it seems to me, of whether they are satirical or intended in earnest. I guess the name useful idiots has got to be sarcastic, but I'm not sure about gray zone, which is actually a term in the intelligence community, as it is called, <laughs> for the um sphere of so-called hybrid attacks and hybrid propaganda, where the border between state and non-state actors becomes blurred, which is very much the modus operandi of the website Zone, which is certainly relentlessly promoted by Russian state media like RT and Sputnik, but you can't actually say that they are Russian state media or whether there is a formalized or merely de facto working relationship between them and Russian state media. Again, strategic ambiguity. These are the two basic varieties of what we in the West call tankies, and the Ukrainians call vatniks. They've also been called abs, authoritarian bootlickers. <laughs> I should explain the, uh, the prior term, tankies, those elements of the so-called left that supported Moscow sending tanks into Hungary in 1956 to put down the uprising there, and then into Czechoslovakia in '68, to put an end to the Prague Spring and then into Afghanistan in '79 and Georgia in 2008 and Ukraine today, even though Russia has long since seized, to be communist, even in name. And these tankies are today making explicit common cause with the far right, quite openly, as in the Rage Against the War Machine rally in Washington, which was explicitly billed as bringing the left, quote unquote, and the right together to oppose military aid to Ukraine. Another exponent of this tendency is what I call Hippie fascism Amy Goodman on the May 17th broadcast of Democracy Now platformed the paleo conservative Eisenhower Media Network to advocate for betraying Ukraine to occupation and genocide under the headline quote the US should be a force for peace National security experts demand U.S. push to end Ukraine war. End quote. The foremost of which experts is retired Master Sergeant Dennis Fritz, who said, quote, Candidly, Amy, we are fighting a proxy war with Russia to weaken them. End quote. Such imperial arrogance, as if the Ukrainians, rather than fighting for their very national survival, are mere pawns of the U.S. in a sinister design, the weak in Russia. But the use the rhetoric of uh, the U.S. being a force for peace, and on the supposedly progressive democracy now. Clearly, these big-shot reactionary military types are making a big play for the hippie fascism crowd. And I note that one of the key underwriters of the Eisenhower Media Network is Ben Cohen of the very hippie-flavored Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream Empire. I note that an Icarus Fest, a so-called countercultural event, as it bills itself, is to be held next week in Rutherford, New Jersey, featuring, along with various musicians, Max Blumenthal and Aaron Maté of the Gray Zone. Uh Uh-huh. A countercultural event with agents of Russian war propaganda. Great. Hippie fascism. This is actually what it has come to. On May 21st, thousands of demonstrators took to the streets in Sydney, Australia. Legions of openly pro-Putin protesters waved Russian flags and held placards reading, Hashtag, I stand with Russia. One of the speakers was Richard Assange, the father of Julian Assange, who wore a Russian-style fur cap and posed for the camera with a Russian flag and a sign calling for free press with an image of his son. How depraved and post-truth does it get? Is there no fucking bottom? People are being sent to prison for years in Russia for anti-war social media posts, and these damn fools sport the Russian flag, the Z, today's equivalent of the swastika, and the slogan, free press. Somebody explain this to me, please. And note the exquisite irony here. Mint Press engages in this, uh, you know, baseless theorizing that the Syrian chemical attacks were false flags or abets those theories. And then one of their own affiliated writers, Randy Nord, actually gets caught in and confesses to a false flag attack. I mean, I'd say you can't make this shit up, but in fact, there's a perfect unity here. The same kind of people who would be cynical enough to portray real chemical attacks as false flags would also be cynical enough to engage in false flag attacks themselves. It's pretty obvious, really. So some of these people are actual gray zone operatives who know exactly what they are doing. And some of them, I suppose, are useful idiots who merely fall for the propaganda and think that Putin is a peacenik as he rains death down on Ukraine. The cynics versus the gullible. Seeming opposites, but it gets hard to tell the difference. And to an extent, it does not matter. I think we can be fairly certain that Randy Nord is a gray zone operative. Tara Reid and the organizers of the Icarus Festival... I suppose there's a possibility they could actually be useful idiots. But the point is that you should be neither. This has been Bill Weinberg with The Counter Vortex. Check us out online at countervortex.org, where everything I've been ranting about is hyperlinked and documented. Please support us on Patreon. Once again, we have happily reached our minimum and very modest goal of $100 per podcast. In fact, we're now up to $104 per podcast. So a big thank you to our new subscribers. Please join them. Counter Vortex is not being promoted by Russian state media or any other state media. We are a homespun shoestring operation. And these didactic rants that I offer weekly require lots of research, as you may have noticed. Research requires time, and time is money. So please help us stay afloat with just one-seventh of the federal minimum hourly wage per week. Thank you. Join the counter vortex. Join the resistance and rant on you next time.